Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Verley, founder and CEO of Project Purple, and today we're back in the podcast studio. We've got a special guest for you, someone who's been on the podcast the most times, if I'm saying that correctly. The, the guest that's been on the podcast the most is probably a better term, but our coach for all our running endurance events Coach John Honorkamp. Welcome to the podcast once again, John. Thanks, Dino. Always a pleasure to be here. And uh, big pressure there. To, uh, I think I, I take home the purple jacket. I wonder who, <laughs> who, am, who, am, I, who am I up against and who, who did I take it from? Well, I think Vin's coming in a close second. Um, and we've got some other people that are that are catching up to Vin. So I know Vin's been jockeying. He he emailed me the other day about doing another episode on something else. So I think he's keeping track. Um, so I think he, you know, he, he wants that number one spot. So we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to get you back in here on the podcast. Uh, hopefully in the next couple of months, as we get closer to official marathon runs, but we brought you back today because this is exciting news, John. I mean, I am pumped. I know we had John a couple months ago when we were still in COVID trying to figure out, are we going to run this year? Are these races going to happen? There are a lot of unknowns. And it seemed like every month that went on in this pandemic, things got better and better. I mean, I think we turned the corner, you know, back last year at some point, but then we started to see signs of hope. Vaccines yeah, started, sure. to, vaccine started to roll out. Smaller races started to happen. And then recently over the last couple of months, bigger races happened things really started to open up. Sporting events started to open up and bring fans in. And now we've got official word that both our biggest two events for this year, the Chicago Marathon happening in October and the New York City Marathon happening in November are a go. Full speed ahead, 30,000 plus runners in both events. We'll have a team of 80 plus in Chicago. We'll hopefully have a team of 100 plus in New York. So we are excited, excited to say the least. I'm holding back emotion and we want to get into training, John, because, you know, it's so funny. I know we were, you and I were talking before we hit record about, you know, how nutty it's been over the last two weeks. As soon as Andrew Cuomo came out and said, we're having the marathon, the phone started ringing, the emails started coming in, you know, people are, are getting excited for the event and I think it, it, it's like a reality, like the race is going to happen. So now we got to talk about training. Yeah, it's funny how like obviously you know, running is a big sport, mass participation, but even somehow like the, the other pro leagues kind of, in my mind, obviously like can dictate a lot. And I feel like most people will go back to that day when uh, Rudy Jobert from, in the NBA got, that was like kind of like, I'm actually look, just looked it up. It's March 12th, 2020. That was kind of like the tipping point where like the NYC half got canceled like a day later yeah, and NHL right. shut down. And now come full circle where I think with the, you know, people being back when the Knicks like last week were still in the playoffs. Yeah. It was like all of a sudden it seemed like within overnight again, it was like back on. It was like a light switch and the NBA was like, you know, in control of it just because of those two kind of major things that happened that like that you saw like sports shut down and now kind of kind of being shut back on including like the major marathon. So it's like definitely turned a corner for sure. That's a great analogy. And I remember that. Yeah. It was like the day after Rudy Gobert came out, you know, he tested positive. 
the day after the the New York City half marathon was canceled, and then that was like a domino effect, right? Like that was the week of, that was the like Tuesday or Wednesday after the Olympic trials, which is so crazy, right? Like the Olympic trials yeah. were the last big event that happened in Atlanta in the running scene, and it was that Saturday. The uh, Atlanta marathon ran that Sunday, and then everything stopped for running. And then you're right. The Knicks played that Sunday home game uh, for the playoffs, and they had like seventeen thousand fans in Madison Square Garden. It was rocking. They had you know uh, Hollywood Row with all their actors and actresses, you know, sitting there on the front row. And everything opened up again. You know, after that, it was like okay, sports are back. You know, full steam ahead. Running's back, full steam ahead. Uh, but I wonder how many people have been training since those two events, right, John? That's the biggest question, right? Who ran, you know, any training, any any good training mileage from March of 2020, right, through uh, here we are, May, you know, this, well, we're in June, but, you know, late May, early June of 21. That's a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think like we talked about it last podcast. I feel like there's two buckets for like some people who just ran less, and then there's a whole other bucket of new runners or just people that had some extra time and running, you know, work from home, not commuting, whatever. They can go out easier to go 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 get a lunch run in, so that they can shower at home versus the logistics and all the what goes into having a plan accordingly if you're going to be at the office. And so uh, I think a lot of people, you know, will have fresh legs because they maybe didn't do a lot, or maybe they had a, a nagging injury that they were like you know, nursing and hopefully had obviously had plenty of time to rest it with not a lot happening versus some of the virtual stuff that was out there. So I think everyone's going to be, you know, excited to get back into some normalcy as far as, you know, it is, it's tricky to, and I've done it last year where you're you're training like a moving target, like, you know, like Boston got moved and then it got moved again. And it's like some of these weddings, like I I have a cousin who's getting married and they had like three save the dates have gone out in the last year and a half just because, Initially, you're like, oh, this is a couple of months. And then it's like, wow, this is still happening. And you just have to keep shifting. And I think there is definitely some, I mean, you, you can always have, you knock on wood, the variant that pops up when the weather turns again in the fall. I think that's one question. But like you're saying, most people are getting vaccinated. And, you know, I think it's um, pretty confident that, you know, some part of some of these live events are going to be happening. And, and with the marathon world, it's like all the all the world majors are in like a two month period, so yeah, it's definitely uh you know we're kind of cramming it in to make up for it, but uh, it, it is good to see that you know it, it's easier to train when you like kind of have a pretty good idea that the event is happening. So I think that'll um, help a lot of people with their motivation. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about that. So and for the purpose of this podcast episode, because I mentioned we have teams in Chicago, which ironically, the Boston Marathon's the next day after Chicago. Um, we're going to talk about the training cycles for our, you know, around Chicago and New York, which are the two biggest historically have been the two biggest U.S. based marathons. Uh, we'll see where that shakes out this year. I know right now, initially, both New York and Chicago have put out similar numbers in terms of their field size between 30 and 35,000. I think New York had said 35,000. I think Chicago said 33. We've heard rumors that, you know, New York might increase depending on how things look in a couple of months. So that's good news for those listening at home that maybe don't have a spot. And if you don't have a spot, we'll have spots. 
that's just a, a, a sell there. Well, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, our application will be up and open to the public. But if we talk about those two training cycles, Chicago is going to kick off around June 21st. If we do a 16-week training, New York will kick off a couple weeks later, um, again, doing a 16-week training. But for so purpose of this podcast, we'll keep those timelines in mind. But then also, let's talk about two types. We've got, and like you said, some people ran during COVID, some people ran a lot. Um, let's talk about people that maybe have like a little bit of a baseline, John, maybe 10 to let's say 20 miles or let's say 10 to 30 miles a week. And I know that's pretty broad. And then let's think about people who have done no training, <laughs> literally have sat on the couch. Uh, and I don't mean to be, uh, I'm being kind of uh, sarcastic there when I say that, but let's just say no training, no running training. Um, you know, they haven't logged any miles for whatever reason that may be. So my first question to you then, John, and with those two types in mind and with our training cycles that we're talking about here with New York and Chicago, where should these people start? I mean, we're going to air this episode probably the week before the 21st. So we've got a week <laughs> to share maybe what, what people can do to prepare themselves for Chicago and Boston before they actually start to jump in and start logging miles and keeping track. And then we've got a couple of weeks for our New York runners. So with that, I'll hand it off to you. Yeah, it's funny. Um, it, I, I've, yeah, I've been running for a bunch of years now and I, I've, you know, I've had injuries here and there and I've had bouts of like running a lot and maybe not as much, but I don't know if I, I recently had knee surgery actually six weeks ago. Cause I thought what I had, what I thought was an IT band issue, same symptoms, tightness, sharp pain in the outside of the knee just wasn't going away. And, End up, end up being a kind of a non-runner related cyst that they had to remove. And so now like, it's easy for me to say, Oh yeah, you know, he's into it. But now I'm like, I'm actually living it. Cause I, I took six months off and now I'm starting to jog 20 or 30 minutes really easy every other day just to get my knee back. And like, I'm sore from like, like I ran a 5k yesterday. Again, I jogged it. Um, and you know, I had like a hitch in my leg. I'm sore. Like I raced it all out because I haven't run in six months. Yeah. Um, so it actually gives me new perspective that I never haven't really had because I've never taken this much time off. So um, with that in mind, it's, I, I always say, start where you're, you got to start where you're, you're, where you're at. And if that's, you know, ground zero, as far as, you know, just, just, you know, if a program, you know, we have, I have two kind of two PDFs that I give out. And then there's the online program that, that people have, you know, a little more customized that we can talk about, but one of them is a three to five, three to four day plan a week of running and the other one's five plus. So again, there's obviously variance within that you, you could do more, but if you, you got, you got to run at least three days a week to train for a marathon, in my opinion, obviously you're adding cross training in there, mm -hmm. which can kind of replace a workout. So it's really just starting where you're at. So if you've done nothing, start with like a 10 minute run, you know, a five minute run, run, walk, you just get out there and then you start kind of getting finding some rhythm. And, and then if you're someone who's already has a little bit of a base, don't ramp up too quickly, but obviously that long run will be more and more important as we get further in the training cycle. But the key is always staying healthy. So whether you have a base, you want to you want to gradually increase, and if you have nothing, you obviously gotta you can't kind of have a crash course and like jam it all in. So just kind of I would say when people always say where do I start, I would say start where you are, where you're at, and um, so you don't have to do a 20 mile run next week. You know, and, and another easy thing is with the long run being so important for marathon training is 
you know, you don't even have, you don't even have to, to add a mile each week to your long run. Like you can add five minutes and, you know, and obviously in a month that could go, you're going from 30 to 50 minutes. That's a pretty nice jump. And again, it's over four weeks. So it's not something where you have to kind of do it all at once. Run it. A lot of people like think they have to run every day to pay for a marathon. And I, you know, I know people that can, that run three days a week and, 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 you know, and, and, and train a mar- and run a marathon and they're fine. So with either category you're in or somewhere in between, it's just kind of like building from where you're at. And that could be zero miles a week or that could be 30 or more. And bottom line is you need to be healthy at that starting line. I love it. I love it. So my next question, and, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but again, keeping those same two types. And, and I think this is kind of goes the same for both possibly is what shouldn't people do right now? What are, and I know that that's kind of loaded, <laughs> but what are maybe like the top three things that people should not be doing right now? Yeah. Don't buy like a new pair of shoes that you're not sure it's going to work for you and then run a bunch of miles in them. Some people like might already know like what either what brand kind of works for their foot or if they don't know, like, you know, you have some time to kind of figure it out. And obviously there might be a little cost there where you, you kind of go, you know, and luckily we can kind of go back into running stores now and that shouldn't be an issue where you can actually work with like professionals to kind of, you know, figure out what works best for your feet. But you don't need a lot of equipment to run, but your shoes are, are pretty important. So don't like panic and feel like you have to find the perfect pair of shoe out of the gates if you're someone who's new to running. And don't run a bunch of miles in the new shoe is for sure. And then again, it's often like whether it's a New Year's resolution or some other like date or target where you have a challenge to do it's very easy to like run every day in the first week because you're excited and you want to get then like you're injured by the third week so like if you're running zero days a week start with two days a week you know run monday and thursday or you know like and do something else on the weekend where it's swimming or cycling i always also think um cross training is always a good thing to do even if you like you know aren't injured because if you are injured or get a little you know something you know, like the shin splints or IT band, like I had, or plantar fasciitis, shin splints. It's just uh, like some of that is uh, natural and you kind of have to run through it. But some of it can be, you know, lead to other things that kind of sideline you longer. So if you are used to doing some cross training, whether that's the Peloton bike or the spin class somewhere else or whatever else you got, I think it's important. So when you do kind of, you're forced to just cross train because you have an issue in the middle of your training cycle, you're already accustomed to doing something other than running and it's not going to be so foreign to get on the elliptical because you've done it like once a week anyway. So I would try to incorporate not only you're going to start running more probably, you know, don't, don't, I, I'm, and I fall victim to this all the time where I don't cross train. So I absolutely have to, and I can't run. I recommend inserting, you know, I say train as an athlete, not just as a runner and that's core and that's strength. And that, as you know, Dino, that doesn't have to be like going to the gym and throwing a bunch of weights around. You can do a lot of body, body weight exercises at home that take 10 or 15 minutes. So I would say definitely incorporate some of those things into your training early. So when you, if you, in fact, you need cross training more than you, you'd like, you're not like, it's not like, you don't, you're not at a loss what to do. It's just like, Oh, I swim once a week. Now I'm going to swim three days a week or I cycle to work. Now I'm going to like cycle to and from work or there's ways to kind of like, kind of like do the cross training and replicate some of the running that you might not be able to do uh, in your training cycle. And again, not everyone gets injured, but it definitely is par for the course. And it, it is usually some, some you know, injury or, or soreness do come in on occasion. And, and I think it's, it's good to kind of 
have those routines and those exercises and those cross train activities already kind of in your back pocket. You do it once in a while, so that when you have to do it more often, it's not like such a big deal. Yeah, you're you're right on with the. I love the cross training piece, and I mean, we could do a whole episode on the cross training. I know we've talked about that at length, but you know, one of the questions. Uh, one of the things I should say that I wrote down first was building routines that you just said. And I, I think that's really critical, you know, to start early versus, you know, you're 10 weeks in and now you've got an imbalance or you need to d- incorporate more stretching. I know for me, you mentioned core strength and and I, I would put stretching into that as well. And that's kind of been an Achilles heel for me in years past where I've struggled, you know, in 2019 you know, with my marathon training was just not doing enough stretching and not doing enough strengthening to improve, you know, those imbalances on why I needed to stretch more. And I think in my example, I waited, you know, 10 weeks in. And then by that time, you know, you're, you're kind of playing with mother time a bit because your race is coming up and you don't have the time to properly strengthen in that short period of a time. You can only do so much. Right. And so I, I think getting on, you know, for both groups here, you know, for someone who hasn't done anything, this is a great way to kind of get going, right? Get into that routine. And I know we did some stuff a couple months back with our purple patties of just doing, you know, wall sits, you know, or yoga or, or just stretching, you know, for 10 minutes. It's something as simple as that, you know, that you can build upon, but get into that consistent routine of cross training, because that's going to be a, a lifetime, especially, as we start to build the training, you know, and, and, you know, 26.2 is no joke. I mean, it, it does test you mentally and certainly physical. Uh, but the, the more cross training you can do early, like you said, that is just going to really benefit you down the line. And then do something you enjoy. If you hate yeah. like one cross training thing, don't force it. Just yeah. do something else. I would say cross training is, is getting your heart rate up when, uh, when, when you're doing something other than running. So, be creative, you know, it could be whatever it needs to be. And again, that could be a stationary bike. It could be a rowing machine. It could be, you know, swimming right now, swimming and yeah. Hiking. Yeah. Especially now with the weather warming up. So yeah, like don't force it. If it's, you know, if you don't like it, I'm sure there's things you like better than others. Like, you know, lean on that, you know, so I would say to set yourself up for success by doing things you're more likely to do versus, things that you know you you dread obviously if you if you dread long runs you have to kind of deal with it and get through those um because that's kind of pretty important for the race but as far as cross training and stuff and stretching and yoga if you hate yoga if you like pilates like you know do more pilates and yoga that's okay there's nothing like there's no perfect exact right thing i just say do what you're more likely to do and, and stay on top of versus uh kind of like knowing that you're, it's not it's not going to happen for you for whatever reason just move on and and, you know, and, and do stuff that you're, you're going to enjoy more. Yeah. I, c- I can't agree with you more on that point. It's, it's really critical to, to enjoy it because <laughs> uh, I don't know how many people are really going to enjoy the training if they've signed up for a race, you know, it's kind of like you're forced to do that. Uh, but if you can find ways to balance that out with doing cross training that you really enjoy and that you really love doing, whether that's CrossFit or, you know, spinning Peloton, uh, you know, like you said, yoga, Pilates, like that's really critical to really enjoy those things that you're doing or swimming, kayaking, hiking, whatever you're doing, cross chaining, just have fun with it and enjoy it. Cause it's really going to make a difference down the line. For sure. John, I got a question that came up and, and, you know, this is kind of what not to do kind of goes into that kind of, uh, 
kind of realm of questions. And recently I saw uh, someone that you and I both know, and she's been on the podcast before, but Molly Huddle, professional runner, talked about, you know, she she had posted about, she was training for one of her races and she shared, she shares a lot of her training journals and stuff like that in terms of like her mileage and just like the, the runs that she does. And, you know, I, I think the comment was, from her, and don't quote me on this, or I'm not quoting Molly directly, but I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing my own words, was, you know, there's this fallacy that, you know, every run that you run has to be hard. <laughs> and it has to be at like, you know, 120% of your output, or else it's meaningless. And, and if you look at like professional runners, I don't think that's the case. And, and, you know, and I think sometimes we have, you know, and this is kind of goes in the, the lines of what not to do. <laughs> you know, for both the, the people with some training base and no training is to think about like these runs, when you start running, it doesn't have to be a perfect run all the time. So no, for sure. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think like, if you're new to running or getting back into it, like I always joke that like running usually was a, it was a punishment for another sport <laughs> or if you're goofing around, it was a penalty or it was, you know, preseason where you're out of shape and you kind of, and you're using it to kind of get some wind back. And it, it's like often people find it in their adult life and they're like, well, actually, if it's on my own terms, it's actually quite enjoyable. I do my best thinking. I problem solve. I, you know, I'm in nature. I'm breathing in good air, hopefully. So and uh, this is also kind of funny. Back in the day, I think you kind of heard that the word jogging, if you're a professional runner or like someone who's more competitive, like that's an insult. Uh, and I actually you know, was more competitive back in the day. And I, I definitely would have maybe been a little offended if someone called me a jogger. But I realize now I, I jog a lot and I don't, I'm actually embrace that. But I actually was doing a lot of jogging when I was a professional athlete and ran in college. And maybe it's jogging in between intervals, but the recovery piece is really important. And, the, and as far as marathon pace, marathon pace is actually pretty easy for shorter distances. So it's not like you have to, you know, it's hard for 26 miles because it's 26 miles. But like if you ran a 5K at your goal marathon pace, it it shouldn't be it wouldn't it it shouldn't be hard it wouldn't be hard if you're doing it right mm -hmm. so i think it's um you know obviously you like to do intervals and mix it up just to kind of work on speed i find that just more interesting um but i think um yeah it's like recovery is super important and uh most runs like you don't even have to do hard runs yeah to, to, try to run the marathon I, I i think it's more fun to challenge yourself and maybe run some incline races or quizzes i call them and you challenge yourself and yeah, you want to get an idea of what what your goal pace should be versus um, you know, what you think it might be, and whether it's too fast or too slow. And so, I do think that you know Molly's point of like recovering and you know, some runs are just kind of like you know, people might call them junk miles, where it's let's just get out the door, yeah. run thirty minutes, and get get the race or the hard effort from the day before out of your legs. And it doesn't really matter like what pace you're doing as long as you're not doing too fast. And there's obviously other days where like there's a key workout that you want to hit and you want to challenge yourself. I'm sure in Molly's case, it's probably like a time trial where if she can run, I don't know, X, X splits for her thousand repeats, thousand meter repeats in practice that, that A, mentally gets her ready, that like gets her confidence up. And it's not long, but if I'm hitting me, I hit, I hit these times where I made the team last and I'm doing it again, or maybe I'm ahead of target or maybe I'm a little bit behind and you have to adjust there. But yeah, I think uh, like it's definitely, you know, if you run three or four days a week, maybe once a week can be hard. Uh, one day is maybe longer, which also could be the hard part of it. And then the other days are like really just 
running easy and, and, and just kind of seeing how you're feeling, but definitely not forcing it. And, and it's, you say no pain, no gain. That's kind of an outdated term. Yeah. Um, so it's really, you know, I think the most important workout of the week is your rest day. If you're, if you're running and if, as long as every day is not a rest day, yeah, uh, you need, to, you need some work to rest from and recover from. But I think once you're in a, in a training regimen, that day off, uh, or that easy recovery run is, it can be just as important, if not more important than, like a, a 5k road race or, or, or something like that, where you're, you're, you're so focused on something. So recovery is definitely an easy running is, is, but should pretty have your marathon training to be honest. Awesome. And, and that actually leads me right into this. This is great, John. We're queuing up the next question. So, you know, as you start to think about training, we talked about where do you start, what not to do. Let's talk about recovery because it's a big piece of it. So, both types of people here, you know, people with training and, and people with no training, um, they start their miles. They're, they're starting to do cross training. They're starting to get some miles in. What are some of the best, or I would say best, because I think that's kind of, that, there's really no best recovery. I think it's sometimes it's personal, what works, what doesn't work. But maybe let's give our audience some recovery modalities that you feel, you know, kind of you've seen in your personal experience that have worked really well. Yeah, one thing that I again, not everyone like has access to this, or maybe feels comfortable, especially in COVID, it was actually almost nearly impossible. Is was having a, like a set massage therapist or, or yeah. chiropractor or physio if you're overseas, um, of just like the recovery piece. And for a while, actually, with my knee, you know, I had IT band syndrome, and I would go to my massage therapist like twice or three times even in a week, and take two days off, and then that would be enough to kind of like nip that in the bud for a couple months, but. In COVID, I, I didn't have that luxury where, you know, so there's obviously, um, you know, there's recovery ways you can have by stretching. You can do some recovery on your own. You don't need a massage therapist. You can have, as you do, you're probably familiar with uh, the stick, which is really yep. just kind of like a way of a self-massaging. You don't necessarily need to go to a massage therapist to get you know, this Normatec, you know, uh, which a lot of the chiropractors and, and you know, PTs and around here will have on site. Um, I think it's, there's, uh, so massage is key. But there's different ways of getting that uh, ice bath. You know, some people think that's maybe outdated, but I, I remember after my big races, but I remember on the Olympic trials, which are coming up here in, in a couple of weeks, I, back in 96, I remember jumping in a, a garbage tub full of ice yeah. and, and water right after my race um, to start that recovery process. You can easily do that with, you know, two bags of ice from the, the local market and, uh, and even a cold bath can help. Um, so I think days off are really key. Massage, uh, making sure you're stretching, uh, not doing two runs too hard back to back sometimes could can lead to some problems. And um, you know, obviously, you know, again, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a you know, registered dietitian, but you know, what you put in your body obviously helps you recover. So obviously, if you're eating, I'll just say eating better than maybe you typically do, or you know, just having more fruit and vegetables. Like more hydrating is key. You know, a lot, a lot of us don't hydrate enough. So I think there's things that are, you know, that you know, hiring a, a world-class dietitian and, and getting your massage therapist to, to live with you and, and do all, you know, most people don't have, have that access. Um, there's definitely things of just simple stuff of eating, drinking more water, eating more vegetables, stretching a little bit more, all those little things add up to big things and big gains. And, uh, you, you know, once you get sidelined with something, you know, it's kind of, again, I, I've been sidelined for six months now. It's driving me nuts. Uh, so I, you want to kind of avoid being sidelined if you can. And, uh, 
recovery. I would say less is more. If you can not, if you're not sure you should do it, I would say don't do it. You know, don't 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 run that extra run just because your name is going out for a hard run and you ran a race the day before. Trust that instinct of okay, maybe next time because you know I, I can't be. Um, you know, I want to run that big. You know, whether it's Chicago, New York, or some other big race, you want to be on the starting line, healthy, should be your number one goal. And then obviously you have time goals, which are, are which are normal and you should have. But I think if you're at the starting line, like holding your ankle with like fingers crossed that it works for 26.2, that's just like a ticking time bomb often. So I definitely want to avoid that circumstance. That was my biggest fear when I ran my first one was I had friends that, of mine that had run marathons injured. And I'm like, that just is, you know, usually they, it, it, not only do they have a bad day, you know, because they blow up at mile 16, but they're, they're compensating leading up to the race and on race day. And they're, they're messing up their body some other way. And it sometimes will, you know, hurt their running beyond them just that one race. You know, maybe they're not right for a year or two because they had a limp or a hitch or something that they were ignoring and just trying to run through things. So you kind of cause more damage than you need to. So I think that's um, kind of worth mentioning. I got injuries on here, which we'll get to in a minute, but that that's a solid point there. I, I just want to go back to recovery. And I think one of the things you said, like, you know, with the massage therapy, granted in a, in a COVID pandemic, you know, people may feel uncomfortable with that. And I don't, you know, this is the fascinating thing with so many different states with so many different regulations, you know, it might be available in certain states and might not be in other states right now, or, or maybe it could be, there might be some restrictions, but regardless, people may not feel comfortable. But one of the things that you mentioned, the stick, there's foam rolling, like you can go out and yep. buy a foam roller. That's pretty inexpensive that, you know, if you do it right, if you spend, you know, half hour foam rolling after your long run, can be as effective as massage therapy. So there's definitely, I think, a variety of options from a recovery standpoint, you know, that, uh, that you mentioned and, and all of which, uh, I love ice baths. So I, I like to do those in the summer when it's hot, uh, because I think it's a little bit more accepting when it's 90 degrees out and you're jumping in a, a cold, hot bath, uh, a bathtub of ice water and ice versus when it's, you know, 30 out and it's winter and you're training for like a spring race or something like that. That's a little harder to, to, uh, to withstand. So, uh, great stuff there. I, I do want to bring up something here before we get to injuries though, but you know, we're in June, we're, we're in this heat wave here in the Northeast. We've had three days over 90 and you know, what advice again, using the same folks, uh, because I, I, I don't think it's any different, but summer there's heat, it's hot. You know, what advice could we give to our runners here? Because, you know, I, I think we got to sometimes be be a little bit smart in terms of our training, especially with the, the hot weather, because that can really put a, a damper on your training. And, and also from a physical standpoint, could really mess some people up really quick. Yeah, again, I'm someone who actually can, I run pretty well in the heat, like eventually once my body acclimates to it, but initially I'm like awful. And some people, you know, perform better in the heat, some people like the cold and uh, but I just know that like over, over my years, like the first couple hot runs are just miserable. And I, I know that like my body will acclimate and I'm patient with it and, and then I can actually do all right. So I think just, it's a great point because I mean, I don't know, here in the Northeast, it's, it's 90 degrees today, you know? <laughs> um, and it's, it, that's, you know, it's only you know, early June. So you deal, you definitely run into hotter weather, definitely July and August, typically depending where you live. And I think that's a, you know, you might think you're, you're looking at a nine minute pace and then you run tens Yeah, and it's the same effort. Just know that, you know, those things, like the weather's not an excuse. It's just a factor. Um, so it's really just making sure that you're uh, hydrating, 
uh, as you, you know, even simple things as putting sunscreen on. You go out for you know, an hour run, two hour run, you're on sunscreen on. Even if it's nine in the morning or, eight, or early, it doesn't mean you're, you can't be, uh, you know, burnt out there. So I would say, you know, run early or run late because um, it's usually it's so you're not you're kind of avoiding the heat of the day mm-hmm. um and we've talked a lot about runner safety so there's obviously some restrictions or some things to think about where if you are running really early you need to wear reflective gear because you want cars and buses and and and, and cyclists to be able to see you um there's also it's funny it's well, not necessarily funny but it's interesting with runner safety i think back in the day or even not too long ago the only really advice out there was like, oh, run, run in groups. Yeah. And then COVID comes, then run, run by yourself. Run by yourself. And, but with zero follow-up or, or zero advice on, hey, you're going to be running by yourself. Make sure to look out for this and don't put have both headphones in and make sure you can hear traffic or that people can see you or you, you tell a loved one where you're going. And maybe there's an app out there like Beacon on Strava or Run Buddy where it like, you know, it shows five, shows your five contacts. We'll, we'll be notified if you're, you're not active for, you know, for, you know, if, you, if you're, if you're run, it's like interrupted for every reason. It might just be you're talking to a friend and that's no big deal, but there's things out there to ensure that you're, you're safer. And again, when you say weather, that's often something that, you know, talk ties into kind of one part of runner safety and making sure that, you know, if we're going to go a long run, we're having a nice meal the night before. If you're someone who doesn't like to eat a lot before they run, um, especially a key long run, then you probably should be eating something pretty decent the night before. Um, and then this, that goes into when you mentioned the heat, uh, Dino, it's also like fueling on the run, which you know, yeah. once you go more than 60 minutes, we're talking about, you know, gels and goos and honey stingers and, and hydration beyond you know, on the run, which is, you know, that's usually trickier for some, um, where, you know, it might be as simple as just putting a, uh, you know, a table in your driveway and with water and Gatorade, maybe like, you know, and then every three or four miles you run by it. So you yeah. can kind of mimic that access or you know on the west side highway here in new york i've run and i've been very i was very happy when those vending machines were taking credit cards <laughs> yeah. because it's a little easier to put a credit card in than, than the, the soggy five dollar bill yeah true true yeah. so i know i just went off on a tangent with runner safety but when you talk about heat and the elements um and the good news is we typically will come into the fall and we have perfect running weather so you know it, i know some of these races can be pretty hot but more than likely that you know, your key training in August, September gets pretty hot. And then it gets you know, end of September, October, you can have some beautiful, you know, obviously you have the, the foliage you know, in the Northeast here, but it's really just, uh, you kind of like all the, all the sweaty runs and hot runs typically pay off in the sense that in the cooler weather, weather, it'll be you know easier. You'll perform better. Your paces will be, you know, a little bit quicker when there's like, you know, weather is perfect. So there's definitely, you know, you're definitely gonna have to battle through some hot runs, but make sure you're you're more prepared as far as being properly hydrated throughout the week, and you're not out there on an empty stomach, and you're not you're not out there without um, you know fueling on the run as well. Well, I go back to something you said early on, just building routines, right? So that's like probably the the theme around this is building routines in my opinion, because you know these little things that you're doing to build these routines. You know, we, we've mentioned hydration a couple of times, uh, you know, stretching, uh, you know, mileage wise, you know, just easing into it. You build these routines, all this work that you're doing now will pay off in the fall, you know, and so that's really critical to this. So uh, I agree, you know, I mean, some of the other things, you know, from a summer standpoint, 
I know you mentioned early or late, you know, it, right now, I mean, we're, we're not even uh, at the summer solstice yet, so it's still not the longest day of the year, but, you know, you get up around five, the sun's out. So, um, you know, you can get out pretty early, but, you know, you mentioned sunscreen, which is a great one. I always forget to do that. And, you know, your body does take a beating. I think the, the cool thing that we've seen, you know, just here in the past couple of years is just the advancement of a lot of the materials in terms of running. So I know we've talked about this in the past, but, you know, really going out and maybe, you know, buying a, a one of those UPF shirts that protect you, that wick the moisture, you know, with all the technology that's happened in fabrics, you know, you can get some really good stuff that, uh, that not only keeps you cool, uh, but also doesn't you know, allow you to get burnt. Um, you know, actually wearing a hat or a visor now, I guess visors are back. I saw like, you know, visors were pretty popular last summer. I think they're back. I've already seen some ads with people with visors, which is kind of funny. Cause I think those were like a, an eighties or late seventies thing. Right. <laughs> so now someone brought them back and they're back and they're back in style. So, uh, wear a hat or a visor to kind of keep the sun out of your eyes and also off your head, you know? So just doing those small little things do add up in the long run. Right. And, uh, I love your idea about running in your neighborhood and creating. So, you know, if you think about those long runs and I, I, I I'm laughing here to myself because all these years I would like plan out my long runs and I would go out like an hour before and I drop bottles, you know, in locations where I, I hope they would be, they, they always were, you know, like when you go running by and stuff and I would do all this pre-work, but now like I've gotten uh, so accustomed with COVID to just run from my home. And I've got like this, I, it could be anywhere between three or five miles. It could even, I could even do more than that. But then I'm thinking now what you just said, I'm like, that's a great freaking idea. <laughs> I think I'm going to like try that this, this, this marathon cycle, it's a little hilly. So it, it, be, it becomes a challenging, you know, three mile loop because there's some big hills built in there, but that's okay. It's new England and, and you know, that that'll pay off in the long run. But I love that idea. I could just put a table out and every three miles make it my water stop versus having to drive out like an hour before my long run on a Sunday. You know, I'd have to wake up an hour early, you know, just to go out and, you know, put my bottles out and whatever other, whatever else I was using for that long run and then go back. You know, it's just it, it, all the planning. So I, I love that idea. So if, if you're listening and if there's a way where you can do your long runs around your neighborhood, that's a great idea. And I think it's also uh, a way you can actually get your support staff or team in, in involved. Or if you have young kids like you and I, uh, my kids are a little bit younger than yours, so trickier, but mom will need to help out. But like have your, you know, your sons or in your case, or, or, you know, again, making signs or even just re swapping out some fresh water or, or Gatorade or adding a gel. So it's not sitting there and baking it all, you know, for an hour before. So yeah. you know, I, I, they're probably busy doing this, this, this thing too, but if they're around, it, you know, you can kind of make it, you know, the training journey, you know, more about, you know, your support team and, and getting them involved. So that even if you joke around and they're practicing for cheering. Yeah, you know, kind true. Of, you know, I like, like that. Depending on the age of your kids, um, you know, they'll be, be creative in the sense of getting them involved and getting them excited about what you're doing. I, I like it, man. I, I love all of it. You know, and the other thing I was going to say, and you know, for those people who have done no training, I mean, this probably happened with some trainers, but you know, the fear of having to go to the bathroom, we've all been there. Even those, those professional runners, I'm sure that's a great question. I'll, I'll have to ask some professionals the next time. Like, what do they do if they have to go to the bathroom on their training runs? Like, what do they do? But we've all been there not to be disgusting here, but the, the great thing here is, 
you have your bathroom at your house, <laughs> you know, right. you don't have to go run in the woods or try to like stress like, oh my God, can I get back to my car? Uh, is there a porta potty somewhere on the course, you know, or on this, on this, this park and this run? Uh, so there's, there's definitely advantages of doing that loop around your house. Even if you had, you know, another emergency come up with like, oh, you broke a shoelace or, you know, your, your shoe, I don't know, something came up with your shoes or even like shirt, shirt changes. I sweat a lot. So you know, in the summertime, you're you're doing you know long runs. You're gonna sweat through a shirt really quick. So uh, there's a lot of advantages of uh, of doing that loop. I love that idea. I'm making notes here, John, of how I'm gonna do this this loop here this summer. So uh, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, even like the loop. In your case, you said three miles, but it actually be a way of uh, even just pr- tracking progress. You know, people if you have a GPS watch or a Strava, you're, you're tracking it that way. But you might have your loop and your on a good day, you're running, say, 25 minutes for that loop. And then, like, maybe you're doing a long run in September and it's nice weather and you got some long runs under your belt and you're doing the same effort, but you're running 24-15 for that loop, whatever it is. So, you obviously have mile splits and different things. But, you know, sometimes you make that loop your, your track and that becomes, and once you do it a couple times, then you can even just, like, you can take a split on your watch and kind of get a gauge of, like, oh, I'm crushing it today or, like, ooh. I had, a, you know, I didn't get enough sleep last night, or uh, like I'm having a rough one because, you know, maybe you call the audible and shift your day around or your week around, depending on how you're feeling. But I think it's like, oh, yeah, people say I don't have a track, but like, you know, that's like hey, I have, I have access to, or you can go out and and and, and measure in your car like what a 400 meters is, and then use that as your track. So I think it's just being creative, and and once you, whenever you're training, you're going to be probably rotate through the same courses and. And, you know, same workouts and, you know, or you'll, you'll replicate certain hill workouts. So maybe you're getting to that hill instead of being taking you a, a, a minute 30, it's, you're taking a minute 15. You know, those are just kind of usually fun ways to show progress. That's maybe uh, more subtle, but those are kind of like mini victories or you're moving the needle in the right direction. And I think that helps you when you're, when you're training, where you see some progress, you're like, okay, I'm in the right, I'm going in the right direction. I love it. And and we did not I did not share show notes, John, but we are like so on the same wavelength because my next question here, leaving the summer heat advice, is apps for mileage. <laughs> so I love how you brought that in. So what would be some advice to, you know, again, same groups, uh, you know, some people who are training, maybe people who were training during COVID, they weren't using apps, uh, you know, and then clearly, you know, people who have not trained, or maybe this is their first cycle through like training for a race. Like what's the, what, what are some of the, and there's so many choices. So, I mean, let's give some high level, some of the, some of your recommendations here um, in terms of how people can track their mileage as they start to to train for these uh these fall events yeah i mean i think it helps to have like a, any i mean there's a lot of a, like apps out there that track uh your your, your mileage whether that's map my fitness or like strava but you can even just even if you just like okay i know this loop is five miles and i did it twice easy math that's 10 miles and then you have your even if you don't have a gps watch you're like oh that, that took me an hour and 10 minutes and and it was five miles then you can do the quick math so you can do it old school where you have a journal and you just have a notebook so I don't want I don't want people to think that they have to go out and buy a fancy watch and they have to like spend all this money and, and and use all this stuff because sometimes that's kind of a scary or that's kind of like added level of of uh, tracking things. We want you to if that's what you like and you like the data, then great. And if you're someone who just likes old school and just it is important to uh, and I found this actually in the beginning of COVID, it wasn't something that was obvious to me, but I was still running like about six days a week, 
And uh, I was like, wait a second. Like, I feel like I started, but thanks to being on, I personally use Strava. I have a Garmin watch that syncs with Strava. But I was still running six days a week. But what I wasn't doing, I was, I was running, like, say, 20 miles a week instead of 30 miles a week. And then it wasn't obvious, but initially or eventually I, I figured it out. I was like, you know, I was so used to, like, relying on running into other runners locally here <laughs> in like, Prospect Park where, say, I do one loop at Prospect Park, which is 3.3 miles. Sometimes it's tough to do a second loop because you're committing to it and it's even just mentally because I've done it so many times. But if I run into Dino, I'm like, all right, you're doing another loop. Well, then, so I, I forgot, I didn't realize how much I relied on like the running community to get some of my mileage in. And, you know, definitely on long runs, I usually seek that out. But sometimes you just end up, if you have some time, you run into someone, you end up tacking on a couple miles because you're catching up with someone. And I, didn't, I, I was running the same amount of days a week, but I was definitely, my, my mileage was down almost like 50%. And I only found it out because I was just on Strava one day and I was going like week to week and checking some things out. And I was like, wait a second, like I'm, I'm running like, you know, 10 miles less per week and I'm, I'm not running less as far as time. So that was just an interesting thing where sometimes you don't realize it until you look at your data and you can kind of see some trends. Uh, and that could go as far as tracking your pace. You might be coming down with a summer cold and not realizing it and realize you're. Your, your heart rate's up when you're, when, you're, when you're resting, heart rate's up in the morning and when you're coming down with something that before you, there's usually signs before you know, that happen, comes into play. So I think, you know, with it's resting heart rate or it's just like, you know, easy miles, you know, that'll, that'll, that'll kind of go back and forth depending on like conditions like stress, how much stress, the weather, how much rest you're getting, how much volume you did the, the week before. And so these are all things that like, I think if you have something, uh, Again, it can be something as simple as a notebook and just tracking your splits, you know, old school hand, handwriting or you can Excel spreadsheets or there's obviously apps out there that kind of do it for you. Like, again, I, I happen to use Strava. That's kind of really popular in the running world. So don't be afraid. that They have a free app and they also have a paid version, which has more bells and whistles. But the free one works. You don't need like you don't have to pay to get what, you know, the, the basics as far as like just tracking your mileage, which I think is really important when it comes into knowing what paces you should run for race day and knowing, you know, that you ran, maybe you ran 21 and you thought you ran 19. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, so those are some data is, is, I don't want to scare you and say you have to be like crazy about it, but uh, there's a lot of stuff to look at if you're that, if you're into it. Um, but even if you're the bare minimum, I think it's worth doing because that's also how you, I track injuries. Like I know that, you know, I was injured for six months because the first week of December, is when my knees started really hurting and I had to stop running. You know, sometimes those things, you know, you go to the doctor and they're like, how long has it been hurting? And you're like, oh, four weeks. And then like your wife's like, uh, you've been complaining about it for four months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, yeah, a little like, different. You don't know, you don't realize when you're in it, but when you write stuff down or you document stuff, I think it's, it's good to have, uh, for motivation just to see all the work you have done, but also finding, you know, more precise paces that are more comfortable or knowing what like, what shoe works best for you or what, what prep, what meal the night before works best for you or morning of, or what your fueling strategy is. You don't have to find out. You don't have to learn that in one day in one long run. But if you document what you eat the night before morning of and during a run and just take quick notes of, Oh, I felt great. Or, Oh, I didn't feel that. Sometimes there's a, usually a direct correlation with, Hey, maybe a, a half a bagel compared to a full bagel or juice works well with me and coffee doesn't like, these are all things that like, I can't tell you what's going to work for you as a, as a coach, but you kind of have to kind of figure it out. And so the more you, you kind of document, uh, I think the more you'll have a, a handle on what works best for you, whether, whether that's recovery uh, or a long run or, or fuel. 
Um, those are all things that will help you on race day if you kind of figure those out, you know, in that training journey. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, the cool thing too, I mean, I, I forget the number. There's like, what, 70% of the population have some sort of smartphone, right? So a lot of these apps, you know, I mean, for the for the beginner, if you're comfortable running with your phone and there's various ways, I mean, there's so many devices uh, that they sell that you can, you know, carry them with. Um, I, I usually have enough pocket space in my pockets and my running shorts to put them, put my iPhone into my pocket. So um, you don't have to necessarily go out and buy a watch. You can just use the app on your smartphone. Um, and, you know, there's, there's armbands, there's, you know, uh, other types of uh, devices or, or wearable uh, things that you can put on that can hold your phone. And I think the other thing too, that I've seen just over the past couple of years, some people really enjoy wearing, you know, their phone or having their phone on them. And listening to music or having their AirPods in um, or some sort of wireless earphones so they can listen to music as they go, which is a motivator as well. Um, I know we, we want to be careful, you know, from an advisory standpoint, you know, not to have the music blasting so you can't hear cars or, you know, any anything else that's going on. So you want to just be careful that way. Uh, but to back to the apps, you know, there's so many free apps that are available. RunKeeper is another one that I know people have used, um, that have talked about Strava I use, which is great. It, it links with my Garmin watch, which I love, keeps track. You get, you know, I have the free version and I get monthly reporting. I can go in and see all my runs. I can tell, it tells me so much information about my runs. And so there's, there's really some, some great apps out there. I know Apple has one as well. Nike plus there's so many. Uh, but the great thing is that they're all free. So yeah, for sure. John, our last question here, before we share with our audience where they can connect with you to learn more. And I know we talked a little bit about this, so this might be kind of a culmination of, of a bit of, of all the pieces that we've talked about. And you started the podcast off with your injury, but what are some tips on how to stay healthy and avoid injuries during this journey? And I know that is such a loaded question, but, you know, maybe just high level, you know, is it mindset? Is it, you know, doing a, you know, everything that we talked about, you know, in terms of, you know, not running with new shoes and doing cross training and watch your mileage and just be smart. But, you know, what, what, how can we kind of sum it up in terms of how do we stay injury free? Or is it the fact that, hey, you're going to have an injury, might not be that big, but just prepare yourself mentally. Yeah, I just think like um, yeah, yeah, I think there's it, it is especially for the newer runner. It's it's definitely uh, it's not obvious all the time. Like that, it's, it's like soreness versus like injury or pain. Yeah, skin so, splints. Yeah, you know, new shoes or breaking them in or after a long run. There's like general wear and tear, and there's like, but if you're new, like sometimes like oh shin splints. Oh, that's I'm supposed to be you know I'm supposed to hurt. Supposed to feel terrible, and then you run through and then you get a stress fracture. So. I think it's sometimes it's a little trial and error, unfortunately. Um, but kind of being able to decipher between like, ooh, this is just soreness versus yeah. ooh, this, this is might right. be something more. And again, I for me it was you know it was kind of odd, like an anomaly about I had a cyst, so it wasn't even like that wasn't even on my radar. I was just felt exactly like IT band syndrome or sharp pain in the outer knee. It just wasn't going away like it has in the past. And sure enough, you know, after months of figuring it out and PT and you take a picture on an MRI and you see a cyst. And then even that is you drain it, you do PT and it wasn't working. And then I finally had surgery. 
Um, so it's just like sometimes you just have to go to kind of go through those checklists of, you know, but I think, you know, always take that day off is when you, when you kind of decipher in between what am I like, it sounds kind of silly, but I, I, I don't like the, I want to call it a luxury, but my, my pain was so bad. And again, I don't feel bad for me. It was, it was just like knee pain. It wasn't any you know, major, obviously some of our people that are raising money for pericardial cancer, like the pain that some of these families are going through and the patients for sure. But it was, it was bad enough where I, there was no decision to make each day. Oftentimes, it's tr- the trickier in- injuries are the ones that aren't that bad. Like, ah, my shins, it, it warms up after a couple miles. It feels good. Like, my pain was so bad, there was no decision. It's like, I'm not running. I can't run. And that actually was freeing for me in the sense that I didn't have to wrestle every day with that decision of, like, poking my knee. You know, one hour feels okay enough. The next hour, not so much. And I was actually, I was glad to see something on the MRI, the fact that there was something there, because otherwise I'm like, I would go crazy. Like, why am I in pain? Am I making this up? Am I going crazy? So I think it's just like deciphering between like soreness and being a little uncomfortable with something that might be a little more serious. That's why I think just ranking your pain from a scale of one to 10 is something that's, um, it doesn't take that long, but it's like, oh, my shins, you know, we're 10 today, like not too bad. And you know, if you see that creeping up to four or five out of 10 on a regular basis, you say, okay, this is going in the wrong direction versus just, oh, my shins hurt. And if you're not paying attention to it, you know, a three out of 10 or a five out of 10, maybe not much of a difference, you know, over time. It just, it just kind of gets put in that bucket of, oh, my shins hurt versus like, oh, I'm actually seeing a trend of this going in the wrong direction. Or in a better scenario, it's getting better because you're doing some strengthening exercises and you say, okay, wow, this, this is this, the, for the 10 minutes I do every day of, of doing stretching exercises and strengthening exercises with my feet, like have really paid off. And then A, you're more likely to do them, continue to do them and even more effectively and maybe do a couple extra sets and get even healthier. So I just think that's just like a trick that I, I there's no like playbook to say this is pain versus general soreness, but I don't run through the pain. If it hurts, stop. And I think sometimes just taking an extra day off is the best thing you can do. Um, you know, people often will see a training plan ahead of them and, they like lock it in and they, and I, I, that training plan, you know, that piece of paper or that even that fancier, more customized program doesn't know who's using it and who, how they're feeling on a particular week. So uh, as a coach, I've given you a workout for six weeks from now. Well, you know, we got to see how you're doing for the first five weeks before we can talk about that, that workout, you know, so you can plan things ahead, of, you know, in long runs and you need to be able to be flexible and change things based off a of schedule, based on how you're feeling, based on the weather in some occasions. But it's really just get, let yourself off the hook occasionally and not saying, oh, I missed a workout here. I'm, I'm failing. Or I'm totally derailed. It's just, you know, obviously you can't miss too many. You can't miss all your workouts, but just be smart. Listen to your body. Don't do too much too soon, which is kind of like vague. But, you know, don't run 10 miles when your longest run is five. Um, you know, run six or seven and then you run eight or nine. You kind of get it up there gradually over, you know, over four weeks. You can go from five to ten in four weeks pretty easily, but going from five to ten in one week, um, it's something that I, I don't, I don't advise. So I know I said a lot there, but it really is just like listening to yourself and giving yourself some, some self love and self care in the sense of I'm not being a wimp for taking this day off. I'm being smart, you know. And that's what, uh, you know, you look at some of these, you know, these playoffs now, and some of these people have been hurt all year, and then they turn it on when they need to. Time management, you know, like, right? What do they call that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. It's load, like load management. Load it's management. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> these, these baseball players are playing like 180 games or whatever, 160 games a year. <laughs> yeah. And they get into the playoffs. Like you have to, 
you know, it, it's not going to be perfect. I mean, these guys are probably rehabbing all the time. And they're also traveling all the time, which obviously compromises, um, you know, kind of adds to, I think, um, some of the, the wear and tear in your body and stuff. So just say, oh, you want your training to go well overall. You want to get a B plus or an A minus on your training block and not worry about the quiz that you, you bombed, which meaning like you, the one tempo run that didn't go well because it was humid. Yeah. Like check those off. Those are going to happen. And if you have some bad runs, I would say that's a good thing because you're less, if all your runs are perfect, I would say that gets me nervous because on race day, if you have any adversity, you're not used to it, you know? Correct. Yeah. So it's true. True. Great stuff, John. Great stuff. I love it. So we've shared a lot of great things here. Um, and if someone who's listening, who's not on our teams, you can still join. If you have uh, your own registration for Chicago, we'd love to have you. Our New York, our New York application will be opening right around the time that this podcast airs. So if you're interested in doing the New York city marathon, you can get access to coach John along with getting entry into the 50th running of the New York city marathon with us for being part of the team and helping us and pancreatic cancer. But let's say you're not interested in doing those two things, but you do want to talk to coach John about training. I should say, where's the best place for people to connect and learn more. And maybe someone has a question for you, John, and they want to ask you offline. Yeah. I mean, the easiest thing is just email me at John. That's J O H N at run camp. And that's R U N K A M P. So John at runcamp.com. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's just John Hammercamp. That's J O H N H O N E R K A M P. And usually as we get the marathon season, like, it's funny, like all my Instagram posts are like mostly about my kids now because I've been injured for six months. <laughs> yeah. So like most of my content I get from my runs. When I'm out in a run, I see a beautiful view or, you know, or whatever. I want to document my running. and <laughs> It's mostly skewed to, you know, drinking beer and hanging out with my kids, which is, you know, great. But um, I'm hoping to have a little more running content on there because I'll be running more. But that's a way to kind of keep it, keep in touch with me. And sometimes uh, some running inspiration will be on there as well. But yeah, John at Run Camp is is the best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. Well, John, thank you once again for being a guest on the Project Purple podcast. Thank you for all you do for our teams. And we are really excited about the fall. I think it's going to be an amazing year. End of the year here for us here at Project Purple, working with you to get all our teams ready to make history in Chicago and make history in New York City once again. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share this podcast. And until next time, please be safe. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. Mm-hmm.